Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring dream-accelerating inspiration. I'm Jeff Meyer, your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach. My goal with this podcast is to help you identify and clarify your own dream by taking wisdom from others' successes and challenges. If you're looking to take action on your dream, to make a difference doing something you love, but your fears are holding you back, then this podcast is for you. If you're interested in finding additional support, you can also check out my Dream Accelerator coaching program designed to help realize your full potential and reshape your future. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator program at jeffmeyer.org. Using my Dream Accelerating formula, heart-centered entrepreneurs can focus on their dream, name their fears, change their mindset, define their next, and move forward anyway. Well, welcome back, fellow dreamers. Um, very grateful for the time with you today. Thanks for listening in to the Move Forward Anyway podcast. I'm really excited today uh, to talk with these two guys. Um, I don't know if you know their real names. You might know them as the Skit Guys, uh, but they do have real names. They have real families and they're real people, Tommy and Eddie. I am so grateful for you joining me today from Oklahoma and Texas, respectively. And uh, thank you for taking the time to talk about entrepreneurship, chasing after dreams, and all of the, the challenges and joys of that. So without further ado, let me just turn it back over to you guys and just say, why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, tell us where you're joining us from today and give us just a little bit about your, your relationship and your history, maybe your family, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, my name is Tommy Woodard. Uh, I am in uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma right now. Uh, married to my wife, Angie, for almost 30 years. have a daughter, Abby, who is uh, 23, a son, Hudson, who is 19. And uh, this guy that with me is my best friend in the world. It's mm, awesome. Uh, my, my name is Eddie James, and I live in a little town called Saxe, Texas, which is always weird when someone tries to, when an operator or somebody tries to say it out loud because it looks weird. Um, uh, I live here with my wife, Stephanie, of 20, 22 years, and we have a 17-year-old daughter named Ainsley and a 15-year-old daughter named JC, and uh, I am the only male in this household, so it uh, provides a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I work out of my house um, when I'm not with this guy traveling, and I uh, probably spent too much time in my house since COVID, so <laughs> it's never a good thing. Yeah, yeah, we can all relate to that this last yeah. year. really interesting, hasn't I, uh, I share that with you, Eddie. I have four daughters. Mm. Uh, and two mm. son-in-laws. And then I had two granddaughters before we had two grandsons. Oh, so, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So I understand being the only man in the house. Yes. How, how long have you been a pastor? Since 1992. Wow. Well, thank you for, thank you. Thank you for your service. I, I mean, oh. that really is the only way to say it. Thank you yeah, for right? everything. Yeah done over these decades that's a really big deal thank you for following god in that way that's a that's a huge huge calling thank you for what you do well i appreciate that very much and i appreciate 
guys like you who make our jobs uh, more creative and more fun mm -hmm. and uh, see you as teammates in the ministry, really. We've used your stuff so many places in so many different ways through the years. Um, so grateful. So you guys uh, have a really important ministry. And I, I love the fact that you guys are involved in your local churches and that your church is allowing you the space to be able to do this work. And uh, it's, mm -hmm. I'm very grateful. So thank you for that. Um, let me just start out and talk to me about high school. Talk to me about when, give me a, a snapshot of the circumstances that was taking place when the spark of doing dramatic sketches together kind of hit you guys and you thought, hmm, maybe we could do something with this more broadly than just in high school and actually make a living at it. When did that spark happen for you guys? <laughs> hey, if you read, if I had my uh, senior yearbook, uh, what you would see is it's signed by several different people. Uh, it was signed by a girl named Edwina, a uh, guy named uh, Rufus, a uh, guy named Zach, uh, and, and, and there's several other ones. And the truth of the matter is they were all signed by Eddie James. And, you know, the idea of what we do it was never set out to go be, a, you know, a ministry or anything. It was, this is what our friendship is. Our friendship is we are characters, whether we're in the car or somewhere else. And it all just started off with having fun and inadvertently, I think, entertaining our friends on the school bus, Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you see this? Oh my that's, gosh. Yeah. That's I can a picture. See and you see that red car back there? That's, that's Tommy's little red Chevette. Um, uh, Prince did not write the song about that car, <laughs> but we, we were, uh, we were buds and that was after a show, after some show, maybe, I don't know what show it was in high school, but our, our dream um, was to uh, go be on Saturday Night Live and uh, get our Screen Actors Guild cards and take that little red Chevette from Oklahoma to, <laughs> to New York and, and, and try, to, try to get in there where Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and all these, you know, try to get in there and, and do what they're doing and create phrases and catch catch holds that America is saying like, that was the dream. And then, uh, you know, Tommy, um, that summer went, did a church thing and I, I wasn't a believer and I was like, okay, get your little church thing out of the way. And then he comes back all serious about church and it's like, oh no, what is, what does this do to the dream? <laughs> I oh, what happened God. to my friend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What happened to my friend? He's possessed um, <laughs> by Jesus. And uh, he came back all serious about church. And, and so that was a big turning point um, to our, to our dream. And then it was, well, he invited me to church on September 17th, 1987. And mm. uh, not that I wanted to go to church, they were having pizza. And so that's, that's <laughs> what, students did right that's how you got yeah. them in the door pizza and uh so but i gave my life to jesus that night and our youth minister basically we were the guys that would um make fun of him as he spoke and so he was like hey 
why don't you use your powers for good instead of evil and do skits every Wednesday night? And that's just like, you know, asking a kid with a food addiction, if he wants a cookie, like, yeah. So, um, so why (laughs) wouldn't we take more attention? Sure. Yeah, please. And so Jeff, what was so crazy about that time is that, that my youth minister, um, handed me these skit books in the eighties. And I mean, it, it was, it was like, you know, it was like this, just handing me these skit books. And I'm like, what? You Christians have skits? Oh, wow. This will be better than Saturday Night Live. We'll create our own Saturday Night Live. Wow. And then nothing against the trailblazers of the 70s and 80s because they had to, if you're a pastor, they had to, skits back then had to fit in because they couldn't give away the songs. No no musician was going to get, worship leader was going to give away any time for music. And no pastor, rightly so, was not going to give away any of their sermon time. For a skit. And so skits, all the skits were like this. Hey, Joe, you seem real sad. What's the matter? You need Jesus. Okay. That was a skit. Like it was, even though the book was thick, you had about 150 skits in there because all of them, they got to Jesus really quickly, like in the first four sentences. And then there was scripture. Well, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13 says you had to get to Jesus and you had to get to scripture super quick. So I was like, as a senior in high school going, well, I don't talk like this. And so we basically stole skits from Saturday Night Live and just made them Christian. And that's really how we got our start. Yeah. And it's really hard to redeem those skits. Really hard. Really hard. Wow. That's uh, so you did that in, was that your senior year then, right? Senior year in high school? Sure was. Right, Eddie? And your junior year, Tommy? Uh, My my, uh, freshman year in college. Oh, your freshman year in college. Senior year in high school. So we did that. Our youth pastor was really great. He would take us places when he'd go speak at a friend's church or if he couldn't go, he'd say, I can't go, but I got these two guys who do skits. And so, you know, we did that uh, for a little while uh, just in Oklahoma and, and in Texas. And um, then we had the opportunity, both of us went out to California for a summer and uh, worked out there at uh, Saddleback Church for the summer. Um, Eddie stayed there. I came home uh, mm. back to Oklahoma and uh, we had about seven years there where he was in California and I was in Oklahoma and then in Texas as a youth pastor, both of us working in student ministry. But about once or twice a year, we'd get together. Um, he'd fly to Texas to do a camp. Sometimes I'd fly out to California to do their camp. But other than that, we weren't really doing anything. But in the process, Eddie was doing uh, skits uh, there at Saddleback and was writing and writing and writing. And so he moved to Texas in 97, maybe, Eddie, somewhere around there. And, yeah. uh, you know, he brought with him just a whole bag of, of you know, great scripts of, of skits that he'd tested. And yeah, out of nowhere, I mean, people just started inviting us to come, uh, you know, do their camp or, you know, do an event or come to their church and we needed a name, and the concept in the 90s was you got a speaker, a worship leader, and some skit guys. And so we were like, well, maybe if they go, we need some skit guys, and our name is The Skit Guys, it'll click, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where the name came from. And, and it really did. Was. 
Yeah. So yeah, That's we cool. did we did that for a while, and then we were gonna make a video cassette. And a friend of ours was like, hey, cassettes are dying. You should make a DVD. And we're like, nobody has a DVD player. What are you talking about? But we did. We made a DVD. And uh, then uh, we connected with a producer who was able to put our stuff on screen. And uh, all of a sudden, the Internet kicked off. And we hit that we hit that sweet spot of kind of live events and then the Internet growing when it happened. And, you know, in our mind, God used that to catapult us to to where yeah. our ministry's gone yeah and prepare you for pandemics and so forth right i mean yeah wow and that was a whole nother change yeah oh my gosh no doubt and jeff jeff i think it's important too uh with what tommy said just just so people like you know the the thought of eddie eddie's over at saddleback just churning out scripts i would i was the youth minister so Tommy was a youth minister. I was a youth minister. So as you, as you chase dreams, I think it's really important to go. We were both youth ministers and keep in mind, even in the nineties, I remember saying my dream, which would be, yeah, I would love to travel as a, and again, this, this was the verbiage as a drama ministry and maybe put out skid books and maybe, and maybe some type of videos now, even in the 90s, that was so just illogical. Like, yeah. and so when you tell that, and I learned really early on, when you express those dreams, people are going to do this. Mm, 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 mm. But, but you're a youth minister? You're a youth minister? I, I am, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the, the, dream, the dream is crazy talk. Um, yes. And so just keep in mind, even churning out those scripts, it really wasn't that. It was Rick Warren on a Thursday, usually around primetime live with Sam Donaldson and, and <laughs> Diane Sawyer. That's when I get the call. You're a pastor. You know how it goes. Oh, my and, God. So, and so it would be a Thursday night at nine o'clock at night and primetime live is on with Sam Donaldson and Rick would go, Hey, I need a skit. And I'd be, and I'm not going to say no. Um, Cause still that's a cookie. Right. And so, yeah. and so. And he needed a skit by Saturday afternoon, right? Like yeah. Right. Like night, we need to perform it. We need yeah, to perform Saturday it Saturday afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. Exactly. So those dreams are like you're thrown into the fire. It's Saturday morning meeting with two people and you know, at four 30, you got to have something. And it's got to, again, even in the nineties, Rick Ward has a 30 minute message and it's under point number two and it's under this point. So you only got five minutes, even with laughter. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no one's given up any Rick, Rick Munchow ain't given up his time. Rick Ward ain't given up his time, but I want to skit on point number two and I need you to do it. So it's just, I'm a youth minister. I'm still doing, I'm still loving on students over here and ministering to students, but then I got to run over here to the big room and do a skit and then run back. That's dreams. That's no matter how exhilarating you get off stage and you go, golly, I would love to do this with my life. No one is asking me to do that with my life. It's, it's put a cassette in the recorder in the sound booth because there is no script. There is none of this. It is what Tommy and I did in high school backstage 
in, back in the youth room going, you say this, I say this, you say this, I say this, you say this. And hopefully we'll have a skit. It's improv, it's meat, it's scripture. And you throw it all in there. And all you have is the cassette. I still have those cassettes, but that's what turned out to be the website and the internet was all these cassettes and, and not me. I paid someone to type them all out and then there were scripts. So the dreams take time. If that makes any sense. Oh, it makes total sense. It takes time. Uh, There's preparation for what's coming later that you don't, you're not even aware of. It's just kind of a fuzzy idea and God prepares you for that moment when you're ready for it. Right. Yeah. And the the idea of the the dream, I call them dream crushers in my book, uh, Fear Not, Dream Big and Execute. I talk about dream crushers and uh, I've had plenty of experience as a pastor talking about the dream accelerator. And people are like, you're doing what? <laughs> you're a pastor. You don't help people with their dreams. And, I, and I'm like, well, I think actually the church should be the best at helping mm. people discover their dreams and use their gifts and skills and help them get to a place where they can launch that. And, and then we can celebrate God's working through people, but there are some people that have never dreamed. And so when they hear you dream, they're just like, wait, you're a youth director. You're supposed to take care of our kids at church. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it is, it can take a long time to actually realize. And then you're, then you're in it and you don't even know that you're in it. And it has, takes a moment to step back and go, and I'm sure you guys have had these moments when you're look back and you're like, good golly, we're doing it. Mm. Yeah. We're living the dream. What yeah. happened? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So those, those are those moments when probably one or both of us are complaining about something and we have to stop and go, oh, wait, isn't it great that we have these problems? Like if, if we didn't have these problems, we, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing, you know? Yeah. 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 And but even they, when we back together with, you know, a bunch of, it really was like, and, and Jeff, I'll, I'll tell you this. And I, I think Tommy and I have always gone. Tommy and I, like when we were youth ministers, we would get the flyers at your desk, you know, and it was usually a drama guy doing this or, uh, you know, and like we just swore in the very early stages of the 90s, we are not going to send out a flyer. If that's how we got to do, get work or business, we like, and we've never had to. And so I don't know if that's like a silent thing between us and God. Like whenever he comes to the mound and goes, give me the ball, boys, I think that's when our time will be up. But we've never sent out any flyer in the mail to any church since 1996 that said, book the skit guys. Yeah. Yeah. God For whatever has, he smiled on your work. He smiled on your dream. Uh, uh, absolutely. You can see it. Right. And you don't have to sell yourself and you're not selling yourself. You're, you're, uh, you're not even selling Jesus. I love the, I just got an email from you guys this morning about um, the awkward invites. Um, another, another round of awkward invites. Those are hilarious. Um, and you, you re- referenced it earlier with the kind of the trite, the triteness of uh, what, 
what's wrong with you today? You need Jesus, you know, and, and then everything's better and life just doesn't work that way. And that's uh, some of the, the words I've heard from people who are outside of the church is like, the church doesn't have any understanding of what's going on in the world. It's just, it's just like drifting on its own axis and we've got to do way better at connecting with, with real people, real situations, real problems. So thank you for breathing life into that and making real conversations and taking the biblical story and making it real. I loved this last good Friday I'm scrambling, trying to figure out how to do a Good Friday service from my right here in my office mm. because it's in the middle of the pandemic. And I used your Peter, uh, your most recent Peter um, caricature, uh, Eddie. I really appreciated that. It was so well done. Um, so you guys have absolutely had obstacles through the years. You've had frustrating moments. You've had moments where you're ready to quit. I'm sure you've talked about, okay. I can't do this anymore. Um, talk to me and, and share with our audience a little bit about how did you keep moving forward anyway? When those obstacles came up, what was it? Were there strategic things that you did that kept you powering forward anyway, in spite of the obstacles? That's a great question. I once we started doing skit guys, um, we went through this period where Eddie, Eddie got married and he moved back to California to work. And every time we would do an event, almost every time there would be mm -hmm. something that would happen. And mm -hmm. like one time he's flying because what would happen is he'd fly to Dallas. I was living in Texas as a youth pastor at the time. He'd fly to Dallas. I'd meet up with him and then we'd go wherever we needed to go. And like, it was the craziest stuff. Like there was one time that his flight was delayed and I'm boarding the plane and I see Eddie down the hallway running. And I say to the, the person, the boarding agent, Hey, there's my buddy right there. He's on his way. And she's like, it's too late. And I'm like, no, no, he's right there. You know? And she's like, it's too late, you know? And so I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I'm getting off too, you know? And so we missed that event. There was a time where a guy had a heart attack on the plane that he was on and like died and they had to land somewhere. I mean, it was like one thing after another, we're just event after event after event. We couldn't make it, you know, storms would come in, you know, and it just seemed like, what are we doing? You know, listen, I don't have some great bit of wisdom, but we've said before, you know, do what you can with what you have, where you are and leave the results up to God. Yeah. And so all we knew to do was to keep doing what we could where we were and then leave the results up to him. So we're not result people. I can't change anybody's life. I can't, generally speaking, accomplish anything that he doesn't, isn't a part of, you know. And so I think more than anything is we, we kept doing what we thought we were supposed to do. No matter what the results ended up being, this is what we felt like this is what we should do, you know. And so we kept on going. Ed, you may have something better to add to that. I'm, I don't mm -hmm. know any great nugget of wisdom to it. I, I, Jeff, I think um, when, when, when we were starting out, like, again, you know, here, here's, a, here's a promo pic of, like, that's Tommy and Eddie, late 90s, you know. Wow. So we're still youth ministers. 
and, and skit guys is a side hustle. We have no credits in the bank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a gig cancels, it's not like you can call up the pastor or the organization and go, Hey, sorry, I didn't miss the plane act of God. Can we still get 10%? Like you can't do that. You have no credits to say anything. You're just, you're just two guys that are really youth ministers. Um, so going back to California, talking about dreams, I remember going with my wife, newly married, going back to Saddleback, and they ain't paying me. The whole gig is we have downloads. You can do skits for student ministry. You can do skits for big church. You can do skits for married people. You can do skits. We will make sure you do skits. You give us the scripts. We'll put them on this thing called downloads. And, you know, and so I went out there on a wing and a prayer, no salary, but just the stuff Tommy and I had booked very as skit guys and with no credits. And so Tommy's right. That year of that dream, I cannot tell you, and it's never happened before, Jeff, there were so many gigs that did not happen. And there was nothing to say but to get on a payphone and tell my wife I'm coming back and I got no money. Um, I got nothing to give it to this. And mm-hmm. there was there was no downloads. <laughs> it was a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. And I did. I had scripts, Jeff. I had I had pieces of paper ready to get put into this world that would download and uh, there was nothing yet. It was all so new. And so there was many 2 a.m.s going, God, did I hear you? Did I not mm-hmm. hear you right? Did I not? God, am I just supposed to be a youth minister? Nobody, this is such a crazy dream. Maybe maybe the world isn't ready for it. Maybe churches mm-hmm. aren't ready for it. Maybe it was just, maybe it was a really bad burrito and I, I'm going to be a youth minister and that's okay. And yeah. then a child education minister and that's okay. So um, it's, it's that type of thing. But I will say during that time, Rick wanted to skit. And every time he said, I just said yes. And I think that's huge in dreams too. You got to mm-hmm. say yes. You got to say yes. That's no matter yeah. no matter if the bank account has $33 and 77 cents in it and your, your, your tank is on fumes and you don't know what you're going to do. There is a, there is an objectivity of saying yes. And Rick was talking about Ephesians two ten that we we're original masterpieces and we're all originals. And I had nothing that Saturday morning, but I grabbed a hammer and a chisel out of my garage as I was leaving and I threw it in the car. It really was, this may be an option. And I did that skit like in 1998-99 with yep. a girl. And it was the first chisel skit. And I remember going, oh, I remember the reaction um, as this female was being chiseled on. It was God talking to a woman. And um, I just remember at Saddleback going, wow, there's something here. Mm. And, and you know what? That happened in 1997. Tommy and I would do it for another decade. Yeah. And nobody would respond to that skit. Mm-hmm. It was a throwaway skit. And then we put it on a DVD and it blew up and went viral 10 years later. Um, so I just go, mm. every time I hear something about the chisel skit, I think of those moments of $33 in the, in the, ta- in the, in the account, 
riding on fumes, canceled gigs, and God's chisel came out of that. Um, and it had nothing to do with me because I was staying up till two in the morning going, did I not hear this dream right, God? And 10 years later, and still to this day, it's one of the most downloaded skits on our website. Um, and it has nothing to do with any of us. I, I just love that. That's a great story. And none of it would have happened if you would have said no. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And you kept saying yes. You kept doing it, even though it wasn't getting the results. Because you had a you had a sense of calling. You had a sense of purpose that you weren't ready to let go. I, in my Dream Accelerator, I talk about when, when we run into barriers, it's really important to keep remembering our why and our who. And, you know, I, I work with people to help them articulate what, what is their motivation? What's their why? What are their big whys behind their dream? And then the who's. I mean, I'm sure you guys think about the people that download that, the, the people that are being impacted when it's thrown up on a screen on a Sunday morning. And to you, maybe they're faceless because you don't know them personally, but I'm sure you've met enough people personally that have said that chisel, uh, God's chisel um, script was impactful for them. And it reminds you of your who, who are we doing this for? We're doing it for people that need to know that they're God's masterpiece. And um, it's the, it's the why and the who that keep us, keep us going. It's a great point. I love that story. Thanks for sharing it. So I'm really interested because we just had this experience last week. In fact, in our dream accelerator where someone, uh, was wrestling with sharing their dream with another person in a partnership, in an ongoing partnership. And the person was not on the same page and they were feeling like that person was going to totally derail their dream. And what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do you handle partnerships? And you guys have been these best friends from high school and you've managed this, this dream of the skit guys as partners, right? How have you maintained your friendship through, and your partnership through the the building of the skit guys. It's actually a lengthy um, work release program. We have to work <laughs> together because of some poor choices in the past. <laughs> oh, that's on me. Oh, that's on me. <laughs> it's a hey, hey, nobody's no blame. Remember, no blame. No blame. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the easy answer to that is the friendship comes first. Like, like it's, it's always been the friendship comes first. We actually just, you know, shameless plug. We just wrote a book together called smells like bacon. Um, and it's about friendship and it's, it, how do, how do you maintain the friendship and the partnership for 30 plus years, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, when you, you know, what do you do? I mean, the friendship comes first. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just at, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't think either one of us have come up with something and said, you know, this is more, if you, if you don't want to do this, then I'll find somebody else to do it with me. You know um, it's, it's, it's this or, or it's nothing, you know, but I think also we trust each other, you know? And so, you know, if one guy's really feels strong about something, I mean, I think the other guy's pretty good at, but going, okay, I don't see it right now, but I'll, I'll jump in. I'll trust you, you know, let's give it a shot, you know? 
we 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 use this phrase of um, and 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 poor Tommy. <laughs> I think, I, and I don't know exactly to how to respond to that that situation, that dynamic duo that is trying to go, you know, figure out dreams. To Tommy's credit, and and I call Tommy the eight hundred pound gorilla because if he doesn't like something. I'm going to hear about it. I'm going to know it. If he's okay with it, usually I'll get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Fine. Yeah. Let's do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just that silverback that sits eating leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if the dynamic of our relationship and, and Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I would say every August, every August we would find ourselves on a gig and it usually yeah. was the gig and it was usually me that would go, hey, here's what I see over the next three years. Here's what I see over the next five years. Here's what I he, see as we... When he says usually every time, there's not one time that I ever went, hey, let's talk about the future, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and, and so I would always, with that, it was usually after we went for a run and we we're just hanging out and I'd say, hey, here's what I see. And, and, and here's how, what I think, and here's what I think the next objectives or the next dreams are, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? And it was either, it would be. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, or it would be, I don't see that, or I don't think that. And, and what I loved about that was, oh, okay, well then I'm not going to force that if, if my friend sees something there, then it would be what we would call <laughs> the tunnel of chaos. And I love the tunnel of chaos. The older I get, I do not like the tunnel of chaos, but I think our staff has grown used to the tunnel of chaos. Um, but we basically, you get to the, you get in the tunnel of chaos to get to the tunnel of love. Yeah. So you got to get in that ugly goose, that ugly goose, which is the tunnel of chaos to get to the beautiful swan. So the tunnel of chaos is that friction, is that creative tension, is that this dream isn't aligning with that dream. But if we really feel a calling to this and on the same page and God hasn't said, give me the ball, boys, then let's get in the goose and figure this out. Yeah, it's, it, I will probably never, ever bring up the tunnel of chaos because I am, you know, to, to my detriment, I will avoid the argument, you know, but the tunnel of chaos is, is so pertinent to our friendship that we literally have a book that's just, I, I think it's entitled, what is it like? keep your hands and feet inside the goose at all times is like the name of the chapter. It's all just like, it's all the whole chapter is dedicated to the tunnel of chaos because that has served our friendship so well, whether I like it or not. Um, it is something, it's the process you have to go to, as Eddie said, to get to the tunnel of love. And if, if you don't, if you don't go through the tunnel of chaos, then in essence, in your partnership, your friendship, however you look at it, you just build up resentment. Uh, because you haven't dealt with whatever it is that you need to deal with. So it's yeah. it's painful to go through, it's difficult to go through, and it is it's worth it every time. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. A amen. And Tommy and I, and, and I would say this for all dynamic duos for relationships that are that are they really have a dream. 
And Tommy brought, Tommy said this one time, I, I can't remember what it was, friend. Maybe it was that gig that was, we did at a rodeo. And <laughs> do you, we did a gig at a rodeo and it was the most horrible gig ever. It was, Jeff, it was the most horrible gig ever. And my back is sweating because I'm not really an actor. I'm more of a director. I'm reading the audience. And I can tell no one's listening to us. We we so open I, we open with our first skit that is always a home run. It was the skit. If you didn't know who we were, we'd win you with this skit. And we open with this skit, and it just failure, just flops. The setting we were in a giant rodeo in Mesquite, Texas. We, you know, we the mayor introduces us. We'd said, "Hey, just don't say we're the funniest guys in the world because we're not." And he goes, "Hey, here's the funniest guys in the world, skit boys." You know, and steps <laughs> off the stage. It skit was, boys. Yeah. So we. So I'll let you pick up Eddie. But we finished the first skit. It's a disaster. We know we're we're gonna limp away from this event. And so and and I like I said. Tommy's the actor. He doesn't care what the audience is thinking. I am. My back is sweating. My my codependency is coming out. Like I'm, ah, I'm just frailing. I I'm in the boat already. Fast forward to the tape, going. This is gonna be bad. And so, I threw up. It wasn't in the set, but I threw up a monologue for Tommy to do. <laughs> so, like, I threw a curveball. Like I'm sitting down. And so Tommy does the monologue. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We're still not grabbing the audience. Oh, so there, go yeah. back up. I throw up another monologue. I I totally abandoned my friend in that moment. And within the dreams, within what we're doing, within the paid obligation, I abandoned my friend as I look back on that moment because of my insecurity. But Tommy, tell them what you said at that moment. Yeah. After we were done with that gig driving away. Uh, I don't know what I say. Ne we'll never do that oh, again. We'll yeah. never. Well, basically, yeah, don't ever do We We don't leave a man behind. Like, like you just don't do that. You always have each other's back, you know? Yeah. You, you don't, you know, and, and God bless Eddie. He wasn't trying to throw me to the wolves. He was just in panic mode going, okay, I don't know what to do here, you know? Mm -hmm. But it was that conversation. And in your friendships, in your partnership, there has to be, occasionally that time where you just stop and you go, Hey, okay, th this is going to keep going. It's not a, if th don't use that, if this is still going to work out, like that's horrible. No, it's going to work out. Yeah. But, but here's what I need from you. I need you never to leave me alone in a rodeo ever again. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you know, you find those things and go, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. You yeah. can always, find, no matter what gig it is, no matter where, no matter if we're shaking hands and taking pictures till 1am, and if someone sidles one of us, and that's fine. I mean, like, again, I was on gas fumes and $33 in, in the account. I'll stay till two in the morning if people want to shake hands and talk and tell us their stories. Like, that's too much is given, much is, you know, expected. Mm. But I would never leave Tommy by himself, and he would never leave me by myself. Like, to this day, we stab each other in the front. If we got to talk about something, we get in the mm -hmm. goose. We never talk about each other behind each other's back. We never, it, it's like, and I think those are crucial to dreams and dynamic duos and ensembles and, and friendships as they go after things when money and business and dreams are all involved. Yeah. And I love your fierce commitment to the dream. It's not if it's, we're going to do this, it's going to work, but this can't happen. And again, 
this this has to change. Um, and I I love I love the acknowledgement of when you when you do something wrong. You know, in the church we call that repentance and forgiveness. You know, but to be able to say to a buddy, you know, I really I really left you out to dry there. No one gets left behind in a rodeo again. I love that. Yep. That's really good. So I find that dreams, um, a lot of times in the genesis of a dream, a spark of a new creation, a new idea, a lot of times comes from a, a gap of something that someone observes that's not right, that they know they can do something about. Like a dream solves a problem. So what's the problem that the skit guys solves? I think it's changed over the years, to be honest with you. I, I think that, you know, the, the problem that we began solving was, you know, how can you use humor um, with student ministry? You mm -hmm. know, I mean, that's really where we started and we cut our teeth there and, and then again, Eddie's between the two of us, Eddie's the dreamer and I'm, I'm grateful for his dreams. You know, um, I would spend the rest of my life on the back porch with my dogs and be happy as a clam. You know, uh, he gets me out of there and we go do things, you know. Um, but I, but he had the dream of, you know, big church needs this, too. It's, it's not just student ministry that needs this. And so there was a gap. And. At that point, he'd already written a couple of books with Doug Fields on how to use uh, movie clips uh, in in your teaching, but but now it was like, okay, well, not movie clips. What if we make the clips? Like, what what if they're tailor made for church? You know, and so so we we're, we're filling that gap, and and then what we realized as we traveled for our traveling ministry was, you know, not just how can we encourage student ministries, but how can we encourage the entire church? Because there's a great need for that. And so we'll go do a show and there's, you know, eight year olds and there's 80 year olds, you know, and every age in between and go, how do you continue to encourage the church? And I think where our ministry has started moving is not just how do you encourage the corporate church, but how do you encourage the body of Christ even outside of the church, how do you encourage families? And, mm. and that's, I would say there's a great gap, um, you know, used to, you could count on Disney to fill that gap, you know, and you had these great family movies, the apple dumpling gang and all these Herbie love bug movies, you know, and everybody went out, you know, there's no place to go. You're either watching a cartoon or you're lowering your standards for your kids to go watch a movie that maybe is too violent or has cuss words in it. You don't want. So now we've moved into that, where we see there's a real gap, a great need for entertainment for the whole family, you know, which is why we, you know, we moved to filming a movie and we're moving in that direction. So I, I think that's the gaps that we kind of, we look for them and I think jump in there, Ed. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I, two things come to mind. Um, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus and I, and I was told that I need to go to a Sunday night church. Like, okay, uh, I'm going to miss the Jeffersons and Trapper John MD. So this better be good, Jeff. This better be worth the Jeffersons because that's Jesus, what I'm giving up. Jesus, for just for if you didn't know, Jesus used to want you to go to church on Sunday night also. He's since right. changed his mind. He also wanted <laughs> you to wear a suit. He's changed his mind about that. Just oh, so. yeah, wow. yes. Okay. But, and for those of you who are listening, you don't know who the Jeffersons are. 
Uh, <laughs> you can Google them. All right. <laughs> Sorry. But my parents were not believers, so I would have to ride my bike to church. And so that was a big deal. Like, if I'm going to go to church and I'm going to say yes to all this, then okay, I'm going to go ride my bike because my parents aren't going to take me. Um, and I don't mean, I don't mean I'm not being nefarious towards my parents. That's just the way it was. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't buy into the whole church stuff. And so if this is something you want to do, you're going to do it on your own. Um, so I remember sitting in the very back and um, someone, this is like 1987 or 88 and someone sang a solo and it was really good. And so I started clapping. Everybody started clapping. I still remember this moment in church, Sunday night church. Everyone's clapping. And and the egotistical high schooler I am, I'm going, I started that. I started that. I did that. That's probably the first time that church ever clapped. Good job. That's what happened, Jeff. The pastor got up, didn't I'm all new to Christianity. The pastor got up and went, We do not clap in the house of God. And, and I'm in the very, very back. And I'm, I'm serious. This is what I see. I just see, I just see, I just see all these shoulders slump. And I'm, and now my codependency is kicking in going, oh no, I started that. I feel bad. Hmm. And, and, and he goes, amen. And the crowd, no joke, no exaggeration when, amen. Hey, and he goes, I said, amen. And they all went, Amen. And then I really sat back there going, I don't know if I can be a Christian. I don't know if I can do this. You know, um, knowing what the skid books look like and now we can't, we can't clap. I don't know if I can do this. Um, but I, I think for me, what is that hole? It, mm -hmm. It's, I think I've always chased after that kid that goes, I don't belong here. I don't know if I can do this. And, and hopefully with laughter and with, saying some of the things that maybe nobody is saying, but we can say it in a way to where the pastor, because ultimately if someone downloads a video at church, they got to trust us. So we never, we, there's integrity there. We never want to demolish anything that the pastor has built. That's so huge. And with that, not a, but, but, and with that, maybe we could say it a different way that helps the pastor to keep that message moving. And it helps a person, the audience go, Oh, wow. I, I've never heard it like that before. And it all just kind of works together. So I, I think I'm always chasing after that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's really good. I, this year, I, I try to adopt a slogan each new year to kind of uh, help me focus on an area of my life where I know I need some help. I need some encouragement. And this year, it's childlike joy. And so I've just been randomly posting on my Facebook thread, both my business one and my personal one, examples of childlike joy. And just, it's catching. Like people are sending me clips now of different videos saying, here's a childlike joy one for you, Jeff. And I'm like, how cool is that? And yet I'm like, wow, this is really needed. This is really necessary in the church space, uh, we carry so much weight sometimes and obligation and, and man, we're supposed to be the freest people on the planet. So I love that part of your story. Um, I think that's a huge gap to keep pursuing. So thank you for doing that. Um, what are the biggest obstacles you're facing today as you think about the next three years? I mean, August is coming up, Eddie. 
So uh, there's going to be an August moment coming because it happens every August, according to Tommy. Uh, you're going to show up with the dreams for the next three years and without without giving anything away. By the way, this podcast will be going live on August 24th. Great. My wife's, my wife's birthday, um, by the way. Um, so what is what are your biggest challenges or hopes in the next few years? What are you chasing after? Well, what's well, fascinating is August 24th, we'll be wrapping up a three-day meeting of the whole purpose is to plan out, yeah, what the next, you know, five years looks like. So, that's very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's literally on the books already, you know. Good. Um, Good. Yeah, I'll I'll steal some thunder while Eddie g- gathers his thoughts. Um, we did, I mentioned a minute ago, what we did during the pandemic. And I, I think, man, as long as we're talking about dreams, can I just say that dreams don't always look like you think they're going to look? Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we just, um, last June and part of July, we filmed a movie called Family Camp. And we filmed it with um, Caleb and with uh, Sony Provident. And God, we believe that God has just the right people, people you don't even know you know, and he brings them along at just the right time to accomplish his purposes. And so we felt like this is who we connected with to film this movie. And in our minds, we were going to film this movie and it's going to be at the theaters, you know, six months later and, you know, it's going to go and this is what's going to happen. Well, a pandemic hit and, you know, we were supposed to start filming in May, I think. Uh, And then, you know, everything shut down. I mean, the whole world shut down, right? Um, But then um, the folks, you know, that were in charge of making those decisions decided, hey, we're going to film in June, you know? And so we filmed the movie in June and July. Nobody got sick. We followed precautions to make sure everybody was okay. There was a time in the world where there were two movies being filmed in the world, and that's it only one in America and one somewhere else. And ours was the one that was being filmed in America while everything else was shut down. And we still haven't seen our movie in the theater yet. And it'd probably be about, you know, maybe next May, April or May that it will be there. Um, But I just go, your dream doesn't always look like you think your dream's going to look. And that's been a really difficult lesson for me as we go through all of this, you know, because being a guy who doesn't dream a lot, once I get one, I want it, you know, I want it. Yeah. And so I think it's continuing to be faithful in that space. And I, I was just reading the other day on, gosh, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was something about Abraham. And if you realize that Abraham was given a dream, right, to be the father of a great nation, but Abraham wouldn't go into the promised land. His son wouldn't go into the promised land. His grandson wouldn't go into the promised land. His great-grandson wouldn't go into the promised land. You know, and you got to keep going until you get to not even Moses, but eventually they get there. And so that dream doesn't always look like we think that dream's going to look like, but our job is to continue to be faithful through those days and mm-hmm. trust that God's going to be the one to bring the dream into fruition, you know? So I think for us, as we move forward, our dream is this movie gets to the theaters and it begets more movies to be able to, like I said, not just encourage the corporate church, but encourage the, the church universal, encourage families, I think. Ed? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, you, you talk about those gaps and, and what, and, 
And, and if you catch a wave, if you're dreaming and, and God, God hasn't said to hand me the ball. Um, like I remember when fireproof came out and I remember Googling, you know, like, what is this faith-based movie making at the box office? And then I went to Walmart and I saw these books for fireproof and, and I celebrated that success, but there was also something in me going, Oh, Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Like, how can we, God could, is, is it possible? I mean, we're making these mini movies for churches. Mm -hmm. Could we, could we do that? Could we make people laugh? Could we figure out how to tell stories in this real estate, not doing an independent film, not trying to do a GoFundMe, not trying to like, could we do a live narrative and, and not be a cartoon and not be an action movie, but like, could we figure out how to make families laugh and, and that they're not worried about a bait and switch. So I remember that time being in Walmart going, and I, I don't know how dreams work, but like, it's almost like a depression at first going, ah, oh, I want this now. I want to figure out that. And I don't know when Fireproof came out, what year that was, but here, I'll show you this. This is, this is all the screenplays, all the different ideas that we had in this dream over all these years before family cam got made during a pandemic. And I would love, and maybe we'll do another one where we, we can sit and talk about what the movie did, but yeah, I think that's the hard part. Even in the dream, there's huge delays. There's, there's not even deliverance right now to know what that movie will do. If, if that prayer of God, can we make movies that will impact families and give them something to watch and to laugh at and, and, there's a delay. And so, but I think I'd rather have this delay of languishing than, than the years of writing these. <laughs> and because some of these stories that you have to be told and may never be told, that's part of the dream. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I'd rather be here than here. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. There's, there's some things that are within our control in our dreams and there are a lot of things that we have absolutely no control over. And yeah. the control that you have is to write, to, to, to write the scripts, to practice the scripts, to get it ready, right. To produce it. But then, you know, it's kind of like an offering. You don't really know <laughs> exactly how it's going to turn out. Yeah. And yeah. Like when I wrote my book, I, I finally realized I'm writing this book for me. And if no one ever buys it, then that's okay. Um, because it's going to be for me and other people have bought it and all that. But, but if you start writing it for the result or doing it for the result, the, the disappointments could just be so huge. Mm. So you keep writing and you keep sharing and, and then maybe one day you throw that chisel in the trunk and it actually, it actually does stick, right? It actually does. <laughs> start to have a ripple effect and that's up to God. I find it interesting. You share that story about all the way through Moses. I'm preaching on Joshua one this Sunday. So um, as you're listening to this podcast, it's <laughs> July 14th when we're recording this on this Sunday, I'm preaching on Joshua one. Joshua is a leader that actually got to experience the promised land. And when he did, it wasn't all 
it wasn't all roses and uh, happy stories. He had to he had to lead two million stiff necked people into a land that was already <laughs> occupied. So it wasn't all easy for him either. So um, and a lot of people that didn't believe in the dream. Yeah, a lot of people that didn't believe in the dream, didn't understand what the heck was going on, were confused by it all. Um, so, so yeah really, really important point for us to remember on the dream pursuit. Um, man, I could talk to you guys all afternoon. Um, so a couple last things. As you're sitting here and you're realizing that perhaps this uh, podcast will go out to tens of people. Uh, <laughs> uh, and But tens of people that may have a dream and may have something that they've thought about for a while and have been maybe reluctant to pursue, maybe afraid, maybe they're willing to admit they're afraid, but certainly reluctant and they haven't pulled the trigger yet. Um, but they know they have something that they think might benefit some who's out in the world. Um, what would you like to say to them today? I, I, I'll, I'll start. Um, I, I would just encourage them to, you to, um, I think you owe it to yourself. If you feel like it's the calling, if you feel like there's a vision there, if it's the thing that keeps you up at night. Um, uh, I remember the last episode of Roseanne back in the 2000s, I guess, before it got rebooted and then got changed. But um, they had a quote on the very end of that. And I was in my early 30s and it said, Dreams happen while other people are dreaming. And that has just changed me. Um, dreams happen when people are sleeping, when people are dreaming and sans ease, like the dream is never going to be easiest for when it first starts out. You are up at two in the morning. You've done your full-time job and you put the kids to bed and then you're writing that book. Then you're working on this dream. And, and if that excites you, Dreams happen while other people are dreaming. Go after it. There's a reason why a lot of people don't go after dreams because it's just easier to sleep. But if God has put something in your heart, go after it. You owe it to the future five-year-old, five-year self of your of 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. You got it, you gotta at least try to see what God's gonna do with it. That, that's that's what I would encourage. That's a good it. word, Ed. Thank you, Eddie. You've shared that with me before. I didn't know it was from Roseanne. Um, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I would also say, like, if dreams are a gift from God, then don't stop talking to him about them. Um, you know, sometimes we have this vision and this dream. And while we must do our due diligence, we sometimes forget that it happens because of him. And, you know, Eddie was, you know, one of the things that happened with our movie was, we constantly prayed about it and Eddie eventually sacrificed it to God and said, okay, if you want us to make a movie, you're going to have to send the people. And it was literally the next day. Wasn't it Eddie? You know, it was, it was that morning friend. Was, like was I, that, okay. So it was that morning that you prayed that. And then later that day, yeah. Later that day, he gets an email from somebody who says, Hey, have you guys ever thought about making a movie, you know? And, and that person would connect us with, you know, um, one of the people that we ended up making the movie with, you know? And, um, so yeah, don't, don't stop talking to God about it. You know, 
even even with this dream of a movie that we have, you know, we have a group of people that gather every Wednesday and they pray about it, you know, because it's not what can we do with it? It's what can he do with it? And and I think with every one of our dreams, it's not what can I do with it, but what can God do with it? That's such an important reminder. Both those points, you guys, thank you so much. Tommy, let me just say that was such a word of encouragement to me because uh, in the pursuit of a dream, there's grinding and there's working and there's planning and there's mm-hmm. writing and there's uh, all the things that it takes to make it happen, right? It's hard work. And I recently have hit this patch of discouragement, mm-hmm. like um, relaunched the Dream Accelerator after the pandemic basically shut it down. And I've just been feeling so kind of blue, kind of down. And I, I think I just realized it's because I haven't been, I haven't really been talking to God about the dream. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it on my own. I've been working hard and trying to labor through it. And man, he's right there. Just talk to him about it. Like, like have a conversation with him. And I think you guys do such a great job of that with your skits. You know, it's just like, here's God talking to you. Um, I think the one I got in my email today again was you were talking about the serenity prayer and you have, I think it was, is Eddie on Tommy's talking yeah, Eddie, 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 prayer and, and Eddie, Ed, your your God, and just saying, "Hey, stop here, stop a second, think about what you just said." And um, yeah, well, just, Jeff, Jeff, I want to encourage you. Daily grind. You're not alone. No, please know you're not alone. You know, I, Ed, and I have talked. I mean, I've I've had the most consistent time with God over the past year, not because I'm a great spiritual guy, but because every morning I get out of bed in a hole and to get out of that hole, I have to spend time with him, you know, and it'd be awesome. You know, I don't want to set up, you know, anybody's false hopes. It'd be awesome if I could say, and after every time I have a quiet time with the Lord, life is great. You know, Uh, (laughs) life is still crappy, but it, it reminds me that there's somebody else in charge and, you know, and that I'm not alone, you know? So man, Jeff, I'm, I'm right there with you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, My youth director would kill me if I don't ask this question. How do you guys stay fresh with content? How do you, through all the years and all the skit writing and all of the onstage stuff and the impromptu stuff, how do you stay fresh both in content and in your friendship? How do you do it? I put two pieces of salami in my shoes every day. <laughs> uh, that's a great. I, don't know, I, I, I think, you know, Eddie, I, I don't know what you would say. I think probably the fear of getting stale is what keeps us fresh. I mean, you know, you, you, we know we have a shelf life. We're just trying to be, you know, if we can have the shelf life of a Twinkie, we've made it, you know? Yeah, there's something pretty crazy, Jeff, especially in the Christian world. Um, uh, like I saw a, a, a GIF or an Instagram, that, and it, I don't know who it was from, but it said a, uh, a new Christian starter pack. And it had like a Maxwell book 
it had the skit guys it had like and i'm like oh my oh, oh no my. oh no um, in the starter pack <laughs> you, but then i'm reading the comments because you know you're just you're kind of curious of how we got on there but there's so many students that have gone oh i'm so glad you put the skit guys i remember them i remember them and then like we started doing this thing called bedtime bible stories during the pandemic where it really was just we're gonna and and what's so crazy jeff if you ever watch it it really is it really is us just doing what we did in high school i mean back in the 80s getting up on a wednesday night in youth group it just makes me kind of cry because all we were doing and we're still doing is just to try to bring some hope to families during the pandemic. But if you watch that, you're watching 50 year old men doing what we did in high school. There is no script. It is us looking at the Bible going, okay, 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 here we go. Boom. And I think that stuff keeps you fresh. And then like, then you have adults go, Oh my gosh. And here's what's crazy. We're still here, but people just grow up and they're going, you're still doing this? <laughs> you're like, yeah, we're still here. But then I remember kids. those guys from way back I when. I remember you in my starter pack. Yeah. But wait. Uh, but then they have four-year-olds and seven-year-olds that are watching every bit of content that we have. And then there's emailing us going, you helped me and now you're helping my kid. And, and you look at those things and you go, I think that's what tries to keep us fresh. Yeah. Um, the older we get, we can tend to get cheesy. And I think that's always that fear in my head to go, how, how do you stay relevant? Um, and because let's face it, in the Christian world, we could probably be doing this till we're 80. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and so there is that thing of just trying to go, how can we yeah, keep the salami in our shoes and still be relevant and funny and still make a point? Yeah, I have this uh, participant in the current Dream Accelerator She's trying to, her dream is to write Christian fiction that doesn't suck. There you go. Yeah, please, there you go. That's real do. and raw, you know, yeah. and it doesn't just have a happy ending. And I'm like, we need it. We need it yeah. in this space. So you go. Yep. It. Amen. I love it. Amen. Um, guys, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just says a lot about you. You're really, really busy to take time with little old me in this podcast to Courage the tens of people that are going to listen. I really, really appreciate it. Um, how can people find out more about who you are? I mean, obviously, there's the website skitguys.com, right? Or is yeah. it the skitguys.com? Just skitguys. Just skitguys. Skitguys.com. Um, yeah, that's a great place to go. Where else? Do you have Instagram accounts or can they follow you on Facebook or what would you yeah. suggest? All of the above. <laughs> Can you tell we're horrible promoters? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah send yeah, me. Yeah. We'll yep. send a post those pictures of high school out. Uh, yeah. Awesome. If you if you go to skitguys.com slash sgtv, um, that's a, a that's a part of our website we created just for families. It's all a bunch of videos that everybody can just sit and watch and have a good time. I mean, I'd encourage people to go there. We've got. Yeah, we've got Facebook, Instagram, I think Snapchat, not Snapchat. I don't know. Whirly gig. What's the next one? What is it? TikTok. TikTok. We got we got TikTok. We do yeah, TikTok we videos. Um, yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, we do. We do those videos because there's somebody in our organization that says you have to do those. Better do that. And then Tommy goes, oh, OK. Huh? Yeah, I go. OK. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's yeah. I would encourage people to uh, just um, you find bedtime Bible stories. It's a great family thing. It's uh, we really do try to honor this younger generation. I mean, we have grandma. We have grandparents watching it. And they, they have no grandkids with them as well. Um, but we're really watching little kids use their creative best for God and take chances and figure out how their voice matters. It's a really beautiful, it's really beautiful of what Bedtime Bob Stories has become. Uh, and thanks to Caleb, it's shown all over the world. It's, it's really amazing. Um, yeah, it's doing the possible and allowing God do the impossible. Awesome. Well, you guys have a good rest of your day. Thank you for joining me. Um, you're a real blessing to me today. And I know when this goes live in August, it's going to be a real blessing to many people who, who, uh, are chasing after their dreams. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, thanks yeah. for, thanks for caring so much about dreams. Thanks for writing a book about it. Thanks for pursuing people and helping them unlock their dreams. That's a Golly, there just needs to be more of that. So thank you. Thank you for that calling on your life as well as being a pastor to to, to help people unlock all those mysteries of their soul. That's a big deal. So thank you for your efforts. And if you ever need us back, we love talking about this stuff. So please know we're, we're always here for you if you want to talk more. Awesome. Okay. Brother. I really appreciate it. I feel like I found two new brothers. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, fellow dreamer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all of the show notes and links. And when you're ready to move from overthinking about your dream to actually taking action on it, consider joining the Dream Accelerator community. Our clients are getting crystal clear on their dream with our Dream Generator Vivid Description 5-Step Process. They're discovering the truth about fear and how to use it as fuel to take courageous steps in the right direction. And most importantly, they are walking a clear path forward because they have made an investment in themselves to confidently realize their dreams. The results are so inspiring. Having coaching and companions on the dream journey is crucial. Remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.